Welcome to Wednesday Night Live, the Bible study that puts some peek into your week. Your week's going to get better and better once you've been in a class with some people that just look out for the best and want to just love you to, to death. Some things that are happening this week, I find this one unique. Daylight savings time starts at 2 in the morning. So our, our government wants you to get up at 2 and set your clocks forward and then go back to bed. And this weekend, on Sunday morning, I'll be talking about Romans chapter 4, 13 through 25. It's one of those seldom read verses that's got a lot of punch into it. And then Sunday night, we're going to continue our series as out of one, out of many, one, unity in the body of Christ. This is a class where we share our ideas, our questions, our comments, and we learn from each other. Now, if you look around, there are some people who haven't made it yet, so uh, this is going to call for a lot of you to speak up and be part of the class. Before we start, would you pray with me, please? Father, we come before you tonight as your people, asking you to be with us and to help us to see your will and see what a good God you are. Tonight is one of those nights that we get into an area that that was tough back then, and it's still tough today. Help us to open our eyes and to see how good you are and what you intended for us so that we can be sure of going to heaven. I ask that you help me get out of the way. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you took up running... Would you most likely for enjoyment or train to race? Chuck. Neither. Neither. <laughs> That's a one word answer. I noticed that. Okay. Thank you. Sue. Yes, I would do well to walk. Uh, you. <laughs> I admire Debbie Caldwell. She runs marathons. She can't handle both. Yes. And I, I realize how much, uh, you know, you have to take time to actually do that quite often to be prepared and just that stick with us and uh, I just find it amazing. Susan! I would jog for enjoyment. You would? Enjoyment. Enjoyment. Thank you. We're going to have one more from this side. They're outdoing you. And they're the small group tonight, so. We've got 100% participation. <laughs> we have 100% participation over there. We do. 
you took up running, would you most likely do it for enjoyment or train for racing? There are three of you. And it's that enjoyment. We're enjoying it. Okay, good. Good. Beginning in verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look. I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. What does Paul mean when he says, for freedom Christ has set us free? What's your idea of these? Sue. I think about freedom from freedom from We've had one leave this side after you were unanimous. Hundred percent. Got a little group, that means we gotta talk. Freedom from the law. Thank you, Mike. Chuck. I was going to say, the, the, the bondage that you had of the law of only, the, the law could only show you how lost you were. It didn't have a path for giving you freedom. Freedom's always been through faith in God. And that's the way it still is. Very good. It's a little more confusing, I think, when Paul says, if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. What do you think he's saying? The silence is deafening. Chuck. Basically, it says, it's, he's kind of taken the opposite perspective is, if Christ was insufficient, then he was totally insufficient. And the law was able to save you. So he's making a premise that he's going to disprove that says, it could never make you perfect. Therefore, where are you now? You're lost. Very good. Now it's your turn. Sue. Well, I think for the Jews, circumcision says, I am a Jew. I'm accepting everything that the Jews encompass, including the law, the, the whatever, they, their hedge rules, everything. I am going to be a Jew uh, and with all their bondage of laws. Okay. William. Finally, see me. <laughs> I didn't see you. Did you put your hand up before? Yeah, but it's, it's cool. I'm all right. Okay. Uh, you know, I think about this. What is he saying 
the Jews looked to circumcision as being something that physically they did, that, 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 that kept them close to God and have a relationship with God. But you know, I, I be thinking sometimes, sometimes I'll, I think, I think Paul is saying, if Christ is not involved, that doesn't do anything. And it doesn't do anything whether you circumcise or uncircumcise. It's just something physical. It's, it's old, it's gone. Right. Very good. This even might complicate it further, at least I'm intending it to. Paul's going to Jerusalem. He's going to take Timothy with him. And before he starts the journey, he takes him and he has him circumcised. Why? Doesn't that sort of mess things up from what Paul's saying? Chuck. Sure, whether it was in Ephesians or which book, but Paul says, to the Romans, I'll be like a Roman. To this group, I'll be like this group. To that group. So he was trying to reach a specific group. And he had a strategy that says, I want to remove any barriers from beginning my discussion with the people and with Timothy. And so I'm going to remove those barriers. But he didn't do it to... Um, to basically promote circumcision. He just did it to remove a barrier. Okay, very good. Sue, you're shaking head this way. Means I agree. This means you agree. Okay. In fact, that's basically what it, the rest of the verse says. So you're right on, Chuck. Just right on. Uh, he says when he gets there, the Jews knew that his dad was a Greek and not Jewish. So which way would Timothy go? And Paul could point out and say he has been circumcised, so that means he's gone with the Jewish side. And as he gets in to establish things, it won't hold him back. Good stuff. Explain what he means when he says, I testify that every man who accepts circumcision, that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you've fallen from grace. That's some tough words. Chuck. The comparison is, you're, you obtain salvation through Christ because of grace, not because you earned it. But if you keep the whole law perfectly, you're, you obtain salvation because you earned it. And that's the contrast. Okay, very good. Now it's your turn. Chuck Perry the class, you gotta give him a break. See? <laughs> if you say that I'm justified by the law, you are no longer depending on Christ for your salvation. And Paul's already gone through the whole argument that you 
the law won't save you because no one can keep the law perfectly. It's all sin and falls short of the glory of God. Very good. You are severed from Christ. You have been, you who would be justified by the law, you've fallen from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but faith working through love. Somebody want to give me their interpretation of that? I did put something up here to help you all, so. Susan. Well, if you accept that you can earn it, whether it's a Jew by circumcision and trying to do the law or whatever, you're technically denying the whole purpose for Christ coming in the first place. Therefore, you are denying that Christ did what he came to do. We have to be very careful about that. Very if you much. can't do it, you will lose your faith if you think that. Excellent. Thank you. William. I'm gonna take you a little. I'm take you back a little bit. Uh, during creation, when they uh, the three came together, uh, God, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and they said, you know, let us make man in our image, and eventually they they gave him breath so that he become a living being. Now, when you think about that, the spirit was involved with, you know, they say the spirit quicken us or make us alive, and the flesh, that, 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 that's all a part of being destruction or we will die in our sins and we hang on the flesh. So, you know, you think about that and you think that, you know, if, if we didn't have God, then we wouldn't be saved. If we didn't have Jesus Christ, we wouldn't be saved. Uh -huh. Guess what? If we didn't have the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't be saved. Uh -huh. So when I think about the law, uh, that, that's going to leave us hanging, and that's going to leave us warning, and that's going to leave us lost. Okay. Thank you. What they're doing is, they're saying what they can do and what they can't do to get to heaven. And if it's on you, what you do and can do or don't do, you're in a heap of trouble. For example, this is my little saying. It comes out of West Virginia, I'm sure. I don't smoke or chew or date girls that do. If that is what it takes to get to heaven, do I make it? Y'all don't have to be so hesitant on this. It's <laughs> will not earn your way to heaven. Doesn't earn my way to heaven. You can't get to heaven by what you don't do. We'll get it. 
You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. They were running a good race. What began to hinder them? Chuck. Obstacles. You want to explain the word? Ah, okay. <laughs> Those who added things that they had to do or not do in order to be really right with God. Those would be, and in a race, those would be rocks and holes in the road and everything else like that is, you can't run the race if you've got all those things hindering you. Okay, very good. William. To add to that, uh, we ourselves need to be careful that we're not putting that burden on, on somebody adding to what God say is needed to be saved and to continue living a Christian life. You know, uh, we gotta make sure that, uh, make sure we, we have this thing called love for one another and uh, not this thing called controlling one another. Very good. Two three things that you can think of which may hinder new believers from running well. Sue. Uh, Christians who say one thing and live another way. Okay. To a new Christian because they're very idealistic. Um, and real easy for that to push them off their track. Okay. Do you have two others? Just one. Okay, that's good. Susan. People that criticize the things, the things that they interpret as right or wrong things you should do or not do as a Christian. Yeah, yeah that's a biggie. He didn't hear it clearly. Oh, he didn't hear it clearly. He was talking about those who criticize. Beliefs on them. I got you. Thank you. Well, it's things like people will criticize the way they dress, the way they talk, how many times they come to cheer, all these little rules that we kind of use as an interpretation of what a Christian should be. And you take a novice and you start criticizing them for things like that, they're going to give up. They're going to miss what they really need to be learning. Explain verse 11. If I, brothers, still preach circumcision, 
Why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. The offense. Sue. So, to me, it sounds like, especially back in verse 7, it says, who cuts in front of you? And I think there are people there that are pushing this uh, necessity of circumcision uh, along with the law to be saved. And, uh, and they may even be saying that Paul uh, has taught this and that Paul was a Jew and he was circumcised. So, uh, and Paul is saying, well, if that's true, why are they still persecuting me? Why are they still giving me a hard time? Very good. Jack? Yeah, I, I, to, the, to, to round it up to three, you know, um, Sue said hypocrisy, and Susan said, um, Criticism. I think the third one would be confusion, and I think that's what's going on in Galatia. Is you've got people who have been supposedly rooted in God for years, and then you've got Paul, and they're saying different things, and they don't know who to believe. So the safe thing to do is to say, well, let's do it all. And and so confusion, uh, particularly for new Christians, and certainly the people in Galatia are new Christians could be something that can really, really come in quickly, especially if somebody's really, really artful at stating their, their, what they think ought to be done and what their reason is. Uh, I'm sure they would have said, well, Paul's been circumcised, you know? Of course he has, he, he, you know? So why, why is he saying you can't be circumcised? Of course, what's wrong with being circumcised? Can't you be, you know, that kind of reasoning there and then all of a sudden, it becomes something you have to do. And when you have to, all of a sudden, you've got something here. Paul's saying basically, why are you fighting against me if circumcision is all that matters? I've been circumcised. So why are you on my case? And he said, the real thing that you're fighting against is the cross. Okay. I wish that you, those who unsettle you, would emasculate themselves. Let me stop with a little thing here. Uh, that is the same strong word that we had in chapter 1. And it, what it does is if somebody was emasculated, they could not go to into the temple, they could not celebrate the worship, they could claim to be Jewish, but they could not participate in any Jewish events, and they couldn't go into the side of the, they had a woman's court, and then they had a men's court, you could never go into either one of those. And here's Paul saying, I wish that was you. That's strong stuff. Yeah. The verse kind of goes to the other verse and says, well, instead of just cutting off part, which is circumcision, just cut it all off. That's what, he's really building on that other verse where he says, they, have, they said you have to be circumcised. Well, I wish I, they'd just go all the way. 
Mm. Just cut it all off. Yeah, you have a little more nerve than I do. Pride uh, <laughs> actually uses the word castrate. Okay. Y'all have more the nerve than I did up here. <laughs> Mike, you're shaking your head no, is that? <laughs> I said, no, that, that's what he's saying. That's, that's what he's saying. It's exactly what he's saying. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. I have picked on Jim all night. Who do I want to pin Jim? Don! Jim, were you from Kentucky? You, you were from Kentucky? What, the same part of Kentucky? Almost. Oh, they're different. What happens when you're different? If you go north, there are a lot of differences in the church up north and the church down here. There's just a lot of differences. Down here you can sing. Up there, uh, sometimes you find a congregation that can sing. Up north, they're still trying to find their way in some places. Down here, you pretty well found your way in the places. So what he says is, y'all were called for freedom, but brothers, you're going to be a little different. So don't use this as an opportunity of the flesh. What would that be like? We got Don and Jim back here. What are they going to be like if they use it for an opportunity of the flesh? Gonna have a steal somewhere. Excuse me. It sounds like they might have a steal somewhere and make some moonshine. Make some moonshine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They are different. They're different. Okay. You can make this a contest. You can, you can get your dukes up and talk about who's doing it right and who's doing it wrong and who's got the right rules and who doesn't have the right rules. You also can ostracize. Yeah. Uh, no longer claim them as in the fellowship or brothers. Yeah. yeah. Now what kind of the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. So now what's he saying? Okay, I'm on the, 
this is fun. <laughs> Jim, what version of the Bible you, do you use? <laughs> King James. I King James! And Don says? New King. New King James. New King James. That old King James is not good enough. The new King James is what you ought to be using. And if you're not using the new King James, that shows that you are really old-fashioned. What else could he be doing? Sue? You pulled out your back. I'm assuming you want to say something. There's lots of things that are different about us, you know, uh, when we think about North and South. I mean, uh, wearing shorts up North was very much frowned on. Uh, and I mean, people here in the South live in their shorts. Um, you know, you know, things like that uh, are different. Huh? William. You know, I think, I think uh, where people are from is important, but I think also you can get a generation thing because uh, my generation, if you serve on the Lord's table, you had a coat in town. Uh, but the newer generations, they don't feel that obligation. And uh, I don't criticize, but I heard, I heard others criticize them for their attire. Mm -hmm. What else? Generations, I think about people who have tattoos or earrings in their nose or those kinds of things, which is part of a new generation and very much accepted. But when I was growing up, that, well, in West Virginia, unheard of, but uh, uh, just was not <clears throat> the thing that people did. So what else do they do different? One of you has the new car. Which one has the new car? Sue, are you from, which part of Kentucky are you from? Or are you central Kentucky? It doesn't matter. <laughs> and one of you with that new car is a Ford man, and one of you is a Chevy man. Do you go to movies? There's a group that says you can go to movies. There's a group who says if you go to movies, you're not going to get in. What other things do you, can you think of? Chuck. Do you go to a bar and grill? Bar and grill. To that one. Applebee's, Fridays, all those are bar and grills. Uh-huh. Sue and I got in trouble. They didn't call her in, they called me in. Because I was considered more trouble than she was. 
because we ate at Shakey's Pizza. We didn't drink at Shakey's Pizza, we ate there. But it was still a restaurant with alcoholic beverages and you weren't supposed to be there. Oh, there's so many of these. Sue. What you can do on Sunday. Oh, oh yes. yes. That's right. You did nothing but go to church and visit with people. That was all right. But you went to church twice a Sunday and visited with people, but you did nothing else. Uh-huh. Uh, there was blue walls then, where stores were closed. Uh, That's true. A, a generation, you know, these are, these are part of the things that have changed, and the church has gradually adapted. Blue law, I remember the blue laws down in Miami was, they didn't open the stores up until after 1 o'clock. Right. Um, and it, just, the, just the way it was. But I've had people say to me, I, I'm working out in the yard, in between morning and evening services, they said, remember, it's the Sabbath. And I'm going, no, the Sabbath was yesterday. Yeah. Okay, this, it's like in Spanish, it's easy to remember. Sabbath and uh, Saturday in Spanish is Sabado. So it, that was the last day of the week. Today, Sunday's the first day of the week. But you still have people who are, they don't understand completely, but boy, they're going to say something. And yeah. you kind of have to... Bite your tongue a little bit, smile, and say, well, let me explain it to you. Okay. I would be a little bit of a devil's advocate. <laughs> uh, everything we've said is like the older generation must change everything. Everything they did was bad. Everything they did was rigid. There are some things that we did that, and I do say we, that we do not do anymore, and you see the problems in the children, the basic things. How many kids know the books of the Bible? How many even bring a Bible to church? Uh-huh. How many people believe, how many young people believe coming to church is not important at all? Uh-huh. And those are some things that tolerate, we need to teach the younger people to also look for those things that might help them in their lives, the outside these traditions. So it goes, you have to love both directions. Okay, very good. If you're not careful, something that you have chosen not to do and what somebody else has chosen to do can really cause a squabble. He's saying, oh, don't do that. You all have Christ, and when you're in Christ, Christ is all that matters. It's not getting everything right. It's not what you can do and don't do. It's a cross. And him dying on the cross. And if you get away from that, you're going to lose your salvation. You're going to fall from grace. So if it's something that I've just got to do if I'm going to make it or not, forgot. That's the old law. You earn it. Our new law, God gave it. Okay. Any questions? Any comments?
Based on the text, what false teaching had begun to take inroads into the Galatian church? Chuck! <laughs> Judaism. Judaism! So we're in one word answer. You want to explain that? <laughs> Well, the, the Jews, the Hellenistic Jews, obviously, would have been certainly proposing that says, okay, we have all this history with, with being God's chosen people. If you want to be right with God, we'll help you figure out how to do that. But this, these things you all have to do. This... This thing that happened down in Jerusalem, you know, where, where Christ was sacrificed, that's all well and good, but you really need to become Jews too. And um, it was, some of it on their part may have been a lack of understanding too. Because they couldn't conceive as a Jew of not following the Jewish law and traditions and still being right with God. Like eating Crawfish, eating lobster, eating shrimp, eating pork. They can't conceive that. Remember, when Peter had it done, he said, Oh, Lord, I don't eat that. So it was just something that was so ingrained in the way they thought. It was that said, if you want to be right with God, you've got to do all these things. And throwing that all the way was very hard for those people. Yeah, yeah very good. How can you protect yourself and your family and your church from false teaching? Can I, I think you cannot protect them. <clears throat> All you can do is be a listening ear when they come to you with questions and have the answers. Sometimes you just have to go. Don! Knowledge of the scriptures. Have a good knowledge of the scriptures. Good. Yeah. yeah, I very much agree with Don. I think that we need to be in the scriptures ourselves, personally, studying. But we also need to be taking advantage of times that we can study the scriptures together with other people and have discussions and learning from each other. And that will help guard us from false teaching. Okay, very good. Classes and what is that they have at five o'clock here? They used to have here at five o'clock where they teach the young people to represent the church. Lads leaders. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all of those things help protect our family and children. So much stuff they taught me from Sunday school when I was a little girl. I remember the lady who taught us. She taught us with a switch. Uh, <laughs> you learn it or you get tapped. <laughs> so, but it sunk in, you know. So when I was presented with something different than what I had been taught, I knew to question it or go find the answer myself. Okay, very good. Sue? Yeah, most, most of all the scripture that I have memorized as a result of a 
a man that was 75 years old that taught our fourth, third and fourth grade class. And every week he would hand out index cards that had a scripture on it. And when you came back the next week, you were to have it memorized. And everybody did. Uh, and it's laid up in my mind and I, it comes back to me easily because I learned it then. It, now to memorize scripture is much more difficult. Very good. How did Paul feel about the false teacher and why was his reaction to so extreme? Was it too extreme? Why or why not? You remember, this is where we differed. I, I wasn't brave enough. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, he, I think, was using a, what do you call it, a metaphor? <laughs> he wasn't being serious about uh, emasculating the, the false teacher. He didn't want that to actually happen physically. Uh, but he, I think he was just so upset by what it was doing because these people who were in Christ were being turned away. They were putting their faith in something else besides the salvation that came through the cross of Christ. They were leaning on keeping the law as well. And he was just really upset, and I think we should be upset at, about anyone that's leading someone away from Christ. Yeah, very good. I really think that it's hard to answer that because you don't know the severity of the spread of that cancer. And obviously it was very, very bad as far as uh, Galatians concerned. And you see that the work that you put in sharing God's word with those people and someone comes and pretty much uh, add to the truth, which made it not the truth anymore. So it's, uh, it's very hard to, to, to to live with that, so I can kind of understand where Paul is coming from. Okay, very good. How does Paul teach us that we should use our freedom? Build each other up. Build each other up. It says to love, serve, and seek the best for one another. Well, that's good. That's very good. Each other up is not just 
one another, but also spreading the word outside of the church to the lost and encourage them to come in. Very good. What are some examples, some biblical examples of, that relate to love? Susan. When they asked Jesus which commands were the most important, he told them to love God and to love one another. It's a ma. Sue. Well, I think things like uh, taking care of the widows and the orphans, feeding the poor, I think those are all commands that relate to love. They're to be done out of love for people. Anybody else? Bertha. I like that simple one that we teach the kids, God is love. God yeah. is love. I, I used to ask them in class, give me a Bible scripture. I don't care how short, I don't care how many words, but give me a scripture. And uh, God is love was a short one, but it was special. Yeah. How about I love you, you must, as I have loved you, you must love one another. That's one of my favorites. Okay, next week we're going to finish chapter 5. So, uh, it's not long, it's only 10 verses, but we're going to take it apart. So go home, read it, and come back next week. Y'all been great. Small number, and yet you've been fantastic. Y'all have carried the class. I appreciate that. Thanks for coming. If you're listening online, thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll come back next week at the same time. Thank you, and you all.